Friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. I'm Mark Anthony, and this is Demolition News Radio, episode 116. In this episode, scum-sucking bottom feeders. This podcast is sponsored by WillowHire.com, the UK's leader in dust suppression equipment. Kick the dust into touch with our new, bigger and better all-in-one dust suppression units for hire. Call Willow on 01582 840045. As I wrote the script for this show, we were on the cusp of getting our 10,000th listener, which is a remarkable achievement for a vertical and niche podcast designed purely for listeners with no proven track record of actually listening to podcasts. So before I begin, I just wanted to say a huge and heartfelt thank you to everyone that's tuned in and helped to make this podcast such a huge and unexpected success. Now, on with the show. Back in March 2011, I found myself working for about a week in Las Vegas. Now, I'm not going to lie, this was a pretty sweet gig. Sure, I had to fly economy class via Philadelphia, which meant I was travelling for pretty much an entire day there and an entire day back. My knees tucked up under my chin and deep vein thrombosis mere seconds away. The hotel I was staying at was at the seedy end of the strip, where the hookers seemed to outnumber the guests. And in truth, all I saw of the city was basically the airport, my hotel and a conference centre. But it was still Vegas. I was still being paid to be there. There are worse ways to earn a living. Anyway, I was scheduled to be in town for just three and a half days, and so I had made a conscious decision to travel light. And part of that decision process was to leave behind my bulky laptop, my heavy external hard drive, and a bunch of other electronic gubbins that I normally haul about the place. Instead, I took just my camera, my first-generation iPad, and a nifty little dongle that allowed me to move photos and video between the two. Despite my stripped-down approach, I was fully equipped to effectively broadcast the event live. There was just one small problem. On the first morning of the conference, someone stole my iPad from my bag. Suddenly, I was almost entirely unable to do the job that I was here to do. Suddenly, I wasn't a forward-thinking, stripped-down, tech-savvy professional journalist. Suddenly, I was just a jet-lagged bloke with a camera. And I'd been rendered as such by a thieving scumbag who apparently couldn't be asked to work for an iPad himself, so he chose instead to steal one from someone that had. I distinctly remember being relaxed and charitable about the situation. I remember hoping that the thief would spontaneously combust, that the only liquid on hand to put out the flames was sulfuric acid, and that his child remains would be eaten by a scabby dog, Ideally, while he was still aware of the sensation. As you can tell, I hadn't given it much thought. To subscribe to the Demolition magazine, just head over to demolitionnewsstore.com. Equipment theft has been an issue in demolition circles pretty much since demolition was invented. Chances are that sledgehammers, mattocks and crowbars probably went walkabout long before the advent of specialised demolition equipment. It's an issue that's spoken about regularly. It's an issue that affects demolition contractors large and small. Yet it's an issue that, if anything, is actually getting worse. Just recently, there's been a spate of highly targeted and costly equipment thefts that have impacted upon UK demolition contractors. Those thefts have taken place largely in the northwest of England, and on each occasion, attachments and their associated quick couplers were the targets. This suggests that this was not the work of an opportunist thief. 
Rather, it was the work of one or more criminal gangs that know precisely what they're looking for. Precisely what will fetch the quickest and the most money. Personally, I'd never entirely bought into the notion of organised crime syndicates bothering themselves with heavy and cumbersome demolition shears and pulverisers. But the more you look at it, the more this appears to be the case. And frankly, who could blame them? These attachments are worth as much as a high-end car, but they're harder to trace and significantly easier to steal. There is seemingly a ready market for these attachments, either here or overseas. And, let's face it, if the thieves are wearing high-vis vests and hard hats and driving a low loader, the police probably wouldn't give them a second glance while they went about their nefarious work. A year or two ago, I produced a standalone feature for the Demolition magazine that looked at the problem of plant theft. And it made for a frustrating set of discussions. Not because the people we interviewed were unhelpful, far from it in fact, but the underlying facts surrounding the plant theft industry, and let's face it, this is an industry we're talking about, were deeply frustrating. No one was able to put an accurate figure on the cost of the problem, although recent estimates suggest it could be as much as £800 million per year. There are parts of the UK in which equipment theft is not only more likely, but where it's now considered inevitable. And, as a result, the industry's focus has switched almost entirely from theft prevention to equipment recovery in the event of a theft. Some of the greatest technological innovations within the plant industry over the past decade or more have been achieved to help recover equipment that's been stolen. We have geofencing, microdots and tracking devices that are invisible to the naked eye, advanced scanners that can detect those microdots and tracking devices. And the success of these systems is plain to see. I recently had the pleasure of accompanying an investigator working with Candrack Global, and I've seen firsthand just how effective they are. You can still listen to that episode. Simply search your chosen podcast provider for Demolition News Radio, episode number 101. But for all the efficiency and efficacy of those systems, they each fail to address that one overarching issue with plant theft. If a machine or an attachment is stolen, there is likely to be a working man that is, temporarily or otherwise, unable to work. Depending what that machine or attachment is and what role it plays in the demolition site food chain, it might mean that several other working men are equally unable to work. And regardless of what that machine or attachment actually does, some scum-sucking bottom feeder too lazy to do a real job has decided to help himself to the belongings of someone that is willing to do a real job. Someone that works long hours in often crappy conditions. Someone that's worked for months or years to be able to afford this important demolition tool. Someone that's likely sacrificed personal and domestic life to build a demolition company for himself and a good many others. Against that background, the theft of a lump of iron from a site is not just business. It's as personal as a thief breaking into your house and rifling through your wife's underwear drawer. If you would like to help support this show, Demolition News or The Demolition Magazine please consider becoming a patron. Just head over to patreon.com forward slash demolition news to find out more. I got lucky. Although I'm sure the thief that made off with my iPad was blissfully unaware of the fact, he stole my 16 gigabyte first generation iPad about four days after the second generation version was launched in the US. As a result, stores in Vegas were doing some fantastic deals on the first generation model. So a quick taxi ride later and I was in Best Buy picking up a 32GB iPad for about a third what I'd paid for the 16GB first gen model that had been stolen. Better still, 
My new one didn't have a crack in the corner of the screen like my original one. Neither did it have a slightly bent port that made charging somewhat hit and miss with the original unit. The theft of the tool I used for business was an inconvenience for about three hours, and it was a situation that was resolved for just over $200. The theft of a demolition tool is way more expensive, and it's significantly more inconvenient. A direct replacement attachment could take weeks or longer to source, and if it has to be married to a specific quick coupler, that process could conceivably take even longer. But it's not just about inconvenience. It's not just about the cost, particularly as these items will likely be covered by insurance. It's about some lazy lowlife stealing something that someone has worked hard to provide. A good-for-nothing waste of blood and organs helping himself to an item of equipment that a working man relies upon in order to put food on his family's table. The more I think about it, the more I think the fire and acid scenario is a little too lenient, a little too impersonal. When a thief is caught, rather than facing a jury of 12 good men and true, maybe he should face 12 demolition men that has each been inconvenienced by plant theft in the past. 12 demolition men who each have with them a scabby dog. A scabby dog trained to develop a taste for the testicles of the criminal underclass. Maybe then the thieves might understand the true meaning of the word inconvenience. Thanks for listening. Demolition News Radio, dedicated to demolition.